Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Today we're going to consider another one of those what the, he said what, kind of statements that uh, are in the Bible. And uh, for today we're looking at the kingdom of God has come near. Or another translation says the kingdom of God is near. And Jesus said this, the kingdom of God is near. Hmm. So we're going to have a look at what first is the kingdom of God because that's baffling in itself. What does Jesus mean when he says the kingdom of God has come near? And how on earth does it make any difference to us? Who cares if he said it? Why, you know, is it actually relevant? Is it something that we actually need to know about? So that's, that's what we're going to have a look at today. So I was thinking, what are the baffling things that happen in life? What are the things that you just scratch your head and you go, oh God, I've got no idea. I don't know. Well, let me tell you about something that's been happening in my house recently. Huh. The Rubik's Cube. <laughs> Put your hand up if you have had one in your life at some stage. Yes, most of you. Okay, now put your hand up if you have ever solved it. Oh, I'm impressed. There's a few hands up. Well done, well done. Well, I do have a solved version as well. Isn't it baffling, though, how to get from this to this? At least I'm baffled by it. (laughs) There we go. There's a nice one that shows the end result. So, sometimes people try and tell you about how to get from this to this, and some people look at you and go, Charlotte's looking like she knows, because (laughs) this has been something that's been happening in my house only in the last month. How to get from this to this. Now, it's interesting to note on this one, there's a bit of picking. (laughs) There's a few of these ones that have been moved. (laughs) So, obviously, at some stage in the past, it just got too hard. So, that's always the fallback. Take the stickers off and rearrange the stickers. You can't do that on this one, though, because it's uh, inbuilt. (laughs) No cheating on that one. But uh, do you know there's a book, and I'm not sure how many people will uh, find this helpful, but uh, there's a book on how to solve the Rubik's Cube. It's simple. It's just a whole lot of algorithms. You just follow the algorithms and then you do the, you get to this, right? Easy. Well, only if you know what on earth it means. (laughs) It's baffling, isn't it? What? What? Very baffling. Well, interestingly, once you start getting at it and you learn it, now, I'm not speaking from personal experience here, although, yes, I have solved it using the book two times, two times I've done it. But uh, some of the kids in my house have been going at this now quite hard for the last few weeks. One in particular is now over 200 solves. <laughs> First time it took 12 minutes. That particular person is down under two minutes getting there. But do you know there's someone actually in Horsham who is 13, who can do it in 8.46 seconds. It's true. 
just Google it. <laughs> I actually know, know of the person, so it is true. 8.46 seconds, but the world record is actually under four seconds. Four seconds to get from this to this. Ah, no way. It's true, though. It's true. Just Google it. There's actually an Aussie guy that's done it in 4.22 seconds, and it's on a video. So anyway, enough of that. Now, I know some people really like to fiddle things, you know, whilst they're listening to messages. So who'd like to solve the Rubik's Cube? Thomas! There you go, mate. See how you go. Now, who else wants to have a go? Come on. Don't, ah, there we go. Jacob's a goer. I'm just trying to muck it up real quick. Here we go. Yours. I've got one more because we're obsessed. One more, but it's little. It's little. It's very little. Who else? Oh, Sophie, but you're in the same family. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, Sophie, it's all yours. There you go. See how you go. I'm not timing you, so take your time. It's all right. <laughs> back to the kingdom of God. Why, why did I talk about the Rubik's Cube? <laughs> well, it's baffling. It's baffling, and we'll talk more about that, but so is the kingdom of God. So let's have a look at the context of um, the passage that we're going to have a look at, and this is uh, in your U version. If you've got that open, you can start to look up Mark chapter 1, verse 14. So in Mark, right at the beginning, we've got the account of Jesus being baptised. So it's right at the very beginning of his ministry. He gets baptised and then he is tempted in the desert for 40 days. So he comes out of that time of being tempted and this is the first thing he says. So in Mark chapter 1 verse 14 or verse 15, he says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And then he goes about um, collecting disciples to, to, to work with him and follow him and healing people. That all comes after he announces the kingdom of God has come near. There's other translations. Uh, the king, God's kingdom is here. Kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. So what is the kingdom? What is this kingdom of God? And how did they understand that when it was said as well? The kingdom of God has come near. Well, we'll have a look at that and unpack it a bit. I see the kingdom, God's kingdom as it's the, the reign of the rule of God. Okay, so it's, it is God's kingdom and he is the king. He's the king over all of creation. Back in the Old Testament, the kingdom of God is talked about as uh, power, lordship. Um, about, it is about relationship uh, with God. So I'm just going to open up, quickly go to Exodus 19. And in Exodus, it's talking about uh, God's talking to Moses about the, a, a, new, a covenant that he's making with the Israelites. And he says in verse 5 going into 6, Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And it's in verse 5, it's you will be my treasured possession. So he's forming this covenant 
in the Old Testament. So it's about God's people. It's a, it's a relationship. God's kingdom, kingdom of God, is about a relationship with God's people. And it's about being with them, being with the Israelites, where they are is where the kingdom of God is. And it's uh, what we now call the Old Covenant. And the reason why we call it the Old Covenant is because then there was a new covenant spoken of. In fact, in Jeremiah 31, the prophet um, talks about what's about to happen. So in Jeremiah 31 verse 33, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So again, it's still with God's people and it's uh, the place is now internal, like it's with God, but it's also, it's us. And the rule is a new covenant. So beforehand, it was a geographical location. And now it's basically wherever the people of God are, wherever God is. There's, there's lots of different ways of looking at it. And that, that's what makes it a little bit confusing. It's like, well, hang on, is it like here or is it after you die? Is it heaven? Is it, hang on, what is it, a place? How can the kingdom of God be near if it's a place? Does it mean we're all about to die and go to heaven? Is that what it's saying? Well, if it was, it was a very long, long period because this was in the New Testament and we're all still here. So what does Jesus really mean when he's talking about the kingdom of God has come near? Well, because Jesus knew that he was the fulfillment of that prophecy that Jeremiah spoke. He knew that it meant he, he is here. That he is here because he's about to fulfill the ultimate um, uh, sacrifice that has already been spoken about this morning. That Jesus is that sacrifice to make that new covenant where it's now a much more personal relationship with us and God. That he is revealing all about what the kingdom of God is by how he lives every day and uh, revealing just in who he is, what, what it is. So let's have a look at some clues in the New Testament more about uh, what this is. And we turn to Matthew chapter 6. And these will be some very familiar passages for you um, if you've been reading your Bible for a little while. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 to 12 and it is when Jesus is, t is telling his people how to pray and he says this then is how you should pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven huh. okay there's a clue it talks about kingdom your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so it's no longer just talking about a location and it's not just talking about what happens when we die because that's saying your kingdom come on earth. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now, it's never going to be exactly the same as heaven. Otherwise, why would there be heaven? But 
we can pray, we can plead for God that it's as if it's like heaven. That on earth, that his kingdom can be here right now. But it's still like, well, what does that mean though? What does it mean to have your kingdom on earth right now? So we need to look a bit further, don't we? What does it mean to, um, yeah, to live, live in his kingdom now? Here's a quote that I found uh, by a man called Dallas Willard who has um, recently passed away, but he was a great man of faith and has written some awesome books. If you're ever wanting a book to read, um, recommend him. Let's bring heaven into people rather than people into heaven. You know, it's not a numbers game to be a Christian. It's not about numbers. It's about transformation. It's about the here and now. How are we living? What are we doing? What are we experiencing? Where is our love going out towards others so that we can bring heaven into people? So your will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is a, oh, it's an amazing opportunity that us as, as uh, a church family, that for those that are believers, that we have this opportunity to be a foretaste of heaven. That right where we are right now, in one of my favourite sayings, in the midst of the mess, right now, we can be a touch of heaven. We can be um, not only experiencing heaven for ourselves in this place on earth, but also uh, um, sharing that with others to, to bring heaven onto earth, to bring heaven in earth. And obviously, we can't do that in our own strength because that's, uh, it's heaven, isn't it? You know, that's not, that's not our domain. It's God's kingdom. So this needs to be done with, with God's strength and, um, to, and the Holy Spirit in order to enable us and help us to know how, how to um, pass on this heaven to those around us, pass on heaven. So let's have a look at another passage in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Again, probably quite familiar for you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Now there's a clue about what Jesus taught us to pray. So I think if I press back it'll work. Awesome. Let's go back to how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. So how do we do that? Let's skip, skip, skip. 
it says near the end, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. So, so that's the end of it. So what did it say? How? To be, you know, not to conform to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How, how do you renew your mind? How do you do that? It's kind of like we're unpacking a jigsaw, isn't it? It's like, okay, all right, so we know it's God's kingdom. Okay, now we've worked out that God's kingdom is kind of here as well as earth and that, ah, it's something about God's will, right? Okay, so we want to bring God's will. We want to know what God's will is here on earth, right? Okay, and all right, it's available to us now here. But then how do we do this? We need to be renewing our mind, how do we renew our mind? How do we renew our mind? How do we go about this transforming business? Well, if we step back a little bit, there was a clue at the beginning of that Romans passage. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Offer your bodies, hang on. Am I talking about sacrifices like, you know, we'll get the, the fire going? No, nope, 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 nope. That's, that's part of the old covenant, but not with people. It's part of the old covenant because Jesus, once and for all, made that part of the old covenant. In this new time, in this new covenant, it's, it's about our heart. It's about what's, what's in here, what's going on in here, what's going on in here. And how are we relating to who God is? And how are we sharing that um, with those around? So we want to be a source of radical hope. Isn't that what the good news is? It's hope. It's radical hope. We want to be able to share that. I'm sure you want to share that with those around you that don't know Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, well, you've come on a great day because you're hearing about this radical hope this amazing news that is available for all of us in, in to know Jesus personally, to have a relationship with him that is transforming right from today, right from now. It's not about sitting on a chair and looking forward to heaven. And I know some of us are closer than others to that end point, but it's still not about sitting on a chair and just waiting for none of us. It's about how is God transforming us right now into stepping to where he wants us to be and doing what he wants us to do whilst we're sorting it out, whilst we're sorting it out. We don't need to wait until we've worked it out because in newsflash, you never will. <laughs> I'm learning that one. <laughs> but it's okay, it's okay. So let's have another look at um, a passage in the Bible. This one is Luke 10. We're jumping all over the place, so just stick with me. Luke chapter 10. So in this one, um, starting around verse 25 or so, in this one we've got a, an expert, somebody that knows the, the law, he knows his, his, um, the Old Testament really, really well. And he's, he's coming up to Jesus because he wants to try and trick him into... Um, understanding because he he just hasn't kind of got it yet what this is about how the kingdom of god can be like right here right now but what it actually means like how it plays out so he's testing jesus and he's talking about uh eternal life jesus how do i inherit eternal life and jesus asks him well, what's in the law you're an expert of the law you know so tell me what's in the law 
And he says in verse 27, I'll just bring it up for you, sorry, skipping away. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus is like, yep, (laughs) yeah, you got it. You've answered correctly. You've got it. You know it. So then go and do it. (laughs) Go and do that. So, So there's such a theme in the word about how to transform. What does it mean? What does it mean to have this kingdom of God right here, right now? It's, um, it's a, an impact. It should be impacting on every aspect of who we are. It's about what we do in, in strength, with our mind, with our soul, with our heart. To get the, the picture that this is not just about a, a feeling. It's not just about a feeling thing. This then becomes a very practical thing as well. Well, you know, because of who, what we believe, because of what we've experienced, where does that take us? To be living in God's kingdom right now, right here, right now. One of the things that I've stumbled across over the last few years is a, a circle diagram, and I quite like diagrams, so we're going to have a look at that. But first of all, I just want to check in on the Rubik's Cube people. How are they going? Sophie, how are you going there? Okay, Thomas, completely marked up still. And Jacob, you've done it. Oh, give him a clap, give him a clap. Well done. He hasn't lost it. He's remembered how to solve it. Well, does that mean you know all about the kingdom of God too? Yes, so you're the man to go to and ask. Awesome. (laughs) Okay, let's have a look at these circles. Now, it is small, sorry, because there's a few more to come. But this one, it says heart. Heart. So this circle, heart, is in the middle. It's in the middle. Because your heart, or another word that the Bible uses is will or spirit, it's what governs the course of our life. If you think about it, what are the things that are governing how you behave? It's what you believe is the most important. Now, at the moment, for one of my children or two of my children, the Rubik's Cube is a little bit obsessive, but it's, it's not taking over their heart. But they're spending a lot of time. Now, because they're driven by wanting to get better and better and better, it flows out into what they do with their hands, what they do with their mind, because of what they're doing with their heart. Like, yep, that's important for me, so I'm going to keep working at it and get faster and faster and faster. So what are we working at? Now, it might be that you're an amazing athlete. Great, good on you. (laughs) That's really good. To get there, you have to spend a lot of time. But not only that, there's so much psychology that goes into what you believe about what you're doing, what you believe. It's no use just saying uh, that you're going to do it. There has to be a belief about what you're doing. Or if you're really into tractors, and I met someone the other day that's really into tractors. Well, you have to really believe that they're fantastic in order to go and do a whole lot of research and, and um, love tractors. You have to believe that that's important, don't you? So what it is that we believe, what it is that um, governs us is what comes out of, of that middle heart. And so therefore, this next ring is mind. So what is governing our heart 
then dictates to us what we study, what we analyse, hence the Rubik's Cube. You go away and you Google a whole lot of things about how to do it faster and what to do. Or if it's tractors, you'll go and do a whole lot of research. Or if it's God's Word, if it's God, you'll look at God's Word. You know, and I'm not saying these are exclusive. But, <laughs> but you, you can delve into God's Word, find out more and more about what God is telling us in God's Word. Or you ask other people who have gone before you, um, like there might be books that you can read or there might be people to talk to who are experiencing things. You're like, hey, that's, you know, I don't know how to wrestle with this thing because you want your mind to be working it out because of what your heart has decided on as who's governing your heart. What's the next one? Body body. So as I talked about before, that if you're an athlete, it has to start with your heart. Then you make a decision to study how and then it flows out into your mind. So as a Christian, we start with our heart. We say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. You, you are important, God. I want to know more and more about you. And so then it changes our mind and what we do and how we study. And then it starts to change our body. It might be what we, where we walk, what we do, how we do it. What, you know, what we eat, how we eat, um, and so it flows on. And then in the how we eat, social is the next ring. So who do we socialise with? How, how do we do meals? What do we talk about then? What are the things we're interacting? How are we influencing other people? But it all starts with the heart. And then the last ring on the outside is the soul. So this is like a barometer of our whole life. How is our soul? How is our soul? What condition is our life in? And then to top it all off, we have an arrow. So all of these factors, the social, the, the soul, the body, the mind, they can all be driven by the heart and the heart can be transformed by God should be be transformed by God. And the word of God, the Bible, penetrates in, penetrates in. In Hebrews, the Cogs team have been learning last term all about how the word, the word is so important. Let me see if I can remember the memory verse. The word of God is living and active. I almost have to do the action so I remember. Is it living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. In Hebrews 4 verse 12, it penetrates, it penetrates. And this is, this is that, the word of God. And this is why the word talks about this. It penetrates to our heart. It can change and transform right to the core of who we are. And thank God that he does that because he shapes and alters who we are to then be heaven on earth, to then be able to share right where we are and who we are, right in the midst of what we're learning. It penetrates and changes. It changes what we do with our bodies. It changes our soul. And, um, and thank God that he does that. There's, um, there's a man called um, Gandhi who doesn't, he's not alive anymore, but um, an Indian um, social activist 
that when he was alive, he went to England for a while and he did some research. He was a big researcher and then he went to South Africa and then he went back to India and was a, a great change advocate. But whilst he was in England, he uh, researched Christians and Christianity and he read a fair bit of the word and he asked lots of questions about um, Christians around him. And this was uh, unfortunately and you'll see when we read the quote together, um, that it's, this is what he determined from his time. If only Christians lived according to their belief in the teachings of Jesus, everyone would become Christians. If only Christians lived according to their belief in the teachings of Jesus, everyone would become Christians. Now, it's very unfortunate that he wasn't surrounded by Christians who had their hearts um, transformed. Because imagine how the world might have altered and changed if someone like Gandhi had become a Christian and become a social advocate for Jesus. If only Christians lived according to their belief in the teachings of Jesus, everyone would become Christians. So there's a lot of things in life that are not easy to understand and whether it be Rubik's Cubes <laughs> or whether it be just life in general, that it's like, ah, how, what, baffling. Once you start to understand, once you start practising the things, even if you don't fully understand but you just go on a learning exercise to say, okay, Teach me, I'll learn, I'll find out more. Okay, give me an opportunity to serve in this way and see what are the things that you want me to do. It's like, oh, okay, you want me to go and talk to somebody who, um, who I've never spoken to before. Do you know, it's really important that both within this place and in the community that we don't keep Jesus to ourselves we don't keep Jesus to ourselves. That we want to be able to share the things that God is transforming in us, in our hearts, to be able to share that to others. And we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But the kingdom of God, we don't always understand it. We, it can affect our whole lives, but it's not going to ever be perfect on this side of, of death. So heaven is still going to be... Oh, incredible and that is also the kingdom of God right there but it's got to start now in our community in our world for us right now and it's got to start personally so do we want this kind of living is this something you want you've been listening today and going sounds too hard I can't be bothered well I'm sorry for you I really am I'm really sorry for you because as you are transformed in Jesus name life just gets like, wow, like, you know, that, the expression, you kind of start going on a ride, a ride of unexpected highs and lows, but it's an amazing ride, amazing ride with Jesus. Is that what you want? Do you want your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, your social world to be transformed because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us? The kingdom of God is near. 
This is not something that we have to wait for. Jesus was the fulfillment of that kingdom of God near. So it's now available to us right here and right now. But is, it, is the reason why you're sitting there and going, I feel a little bit uncomfortable about all this. Is there something that's blocking? Is there something that's blocking you? Is there another love that you have that's maybe in the wrong order? Is there something that has replaced Jesus in your heart as the one that governs who you are and your direction in life? Is there unforgiveness? Is there something where you haven't been able to deal with what somebody else has done? Whether it's somebody in this, um, this church community or somebody from your family or something else. Has something happened that is stopping you from being able to be transformed because it's clogging up your heart so much. It's taken over. It's taken over control of who you are and you're really struggling to let that unforgiveness go. Well, God's waiting for you. He is waiting for you right now to let go, let go, to, to lay that unforgiveness at the foot of a cross. Take your hands away and say, okay, it's yours, God, it's yours. It's no longer I'm going to let that control my heart because I want Jesus to be governing my heart. Are there some fears that you have about what it might be to let go? Are there some fears about if you let go, who, where are you going to go? The classic one which has been mentioned a few times is if you feel that you, if you, if you, let, if you like let it all go and you say, okay, God, okay, my life's yours, that he'll send you to Africa as a missionary. <laughs> I know I thought that when I was a teenager. I was like, oh, oh, and had this big struggle and eventually, oh, okay, God, okay, and then I'm waiting and waiting for that word that I was going to Africa. Well, it hasn't happened yet, but who knows? I never say never, never say never. But is there something that's holding you back? Is there a fear that you're worried about that if I let go, then it's, uh, what's next? What's next? It's too hard, it's too hard, God. Are you worried about failing? Is that what's holding you back? You don't need to be worried I know it's, it's a human reaction, but God can take away those fears and those failures. He's already dealt with it all on the cross anyway. And we don't have to do it in our own strength because Jesus is there to be our strength. He is here right now and he can be in your heart. He can be governing your heart and your direction in life. He is in the transforming business. That's what he's all about and that's what we are as a church community also about is to be transforming both within and around. He's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. The team want to come up, thanks. So are you willing to surrender? Are you willing to surrender who is governing your heart? Whether it be yourself that needs to get off the pedestal or whether it's something else that you've put in that place. Because the kingdom of God is available to you today. The kingdom of God is now, is here. And who's in charge of your life? How about you stand and we're going to be led together by...
by the band. And let's take this time just to surrender, to say, okay, God, I give my heart right in here and right now.